The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, hello, world, and welcome back to a Solid 7 Podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself, and I think we all know. That I do. This is not a show about nothing, but it's also not a show about any one thing. Each week, I get together with a guest. We talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us, and I think it will interest you, too. And this week, happy to welcome back podcast regular Mike Redacted. Hey. Welcome back, sir. What's up, buddy? Long overdue. I feel Long like I overdue. just on. I think I've explained on here before uh, that with the, the regulars such, at your, such as yourself, these days with my scheduling, I'm trying to target like a 13-week like a rotation. That gets the regulars on like four you. times a year, right? And then try and build out with some semi-regulars and then some, some big okay. guests, right? Uh, but we're, we're well over the 13-week mark. Yeah, because I, I know from the technical difficulties right before we started, the last one I was on was 79. Yeah. So it's it's been a minute, but uh, you know. But you know what? I'm always here for you, buddy. You just shoot me a text and be like, "Hey, when can you uh, when can you record?" And I'm like, "Yeah." It's time to give the the people what they want. It's a bit of a downgrade, uh, being that you you separated from the army as a sergeant, and uh, last week we had a lieutenant colonel. So we're kind of working our way down. True. Um, but but a treat nonetheless. It's okay. I didn't listen, so I can't comment. <laughs> But I'm sure I was in more shit than she was. <laughs> uh, well, you'd be surprised uh, yeah. if you looked at her uh, her her record. So uh, no, but uh, hey, always a treat to have you on. And listen, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who the guest is, but when you're fueled by Jocko Go, they're all good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that beautiful. And of transition. course, we are. So let's crack these bad boys and and get into it. You, of course, know the drill, sir. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, just as we're cracking our, our Jocko goes, Patreon listeners chiming in on the chat. Welcome, Patreon. Hey, buddy. I know that name. Patreon, <laughs> Patreon listeners, of course, get to listen in for free and uh, and chat with us. Well, not for free, but they, they get to listen in uh, as part of their support and always cool to uh, see them chiming in. So Absolutely. Um, I'm a bad guest because I didn't realize you could share that link with people. <laughs> Otherwise there might be a couple of supporters. Yeah. I mean, in general, I'm, I'm not opposed to, uh, you know, guests sharing it here and there with people who aren't Patreon supporters. I, th I figure all it can do is increase support. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just try not to share it far and wide, try right. to try to target those invites because it is a, you know, it's a privilege right. for the supporters. So, and uh, a darn fine one, if I do say so myself. I think it's really cool, personally, because yeah. the uh, the engagement. I think going back to, gosh, what was that twenty episode twenty when you did the live episode? I think that's just uh, really cool. I think it was. It's funny. That's the last time we did something kind of. We've had big guests, but that was the last time we did something really kind of out of the box. Right. 
um, you know, when we hit episode 20, that really felt like we had done something. Well, I'm, I'm working on that. So coming up in February and March will be uh, the 100th episode and the two year anniversary nice. of the podcast, just a few weeks apart. So I, I'm trying to work out some, some cool things for them. So, I mean, at the time, 2020 was legit. A lot of podcasts don't go even that far. Absolutely. Uh, so it was worthy of celebration. And we did a little live stream episode and, uh, you know, fun was had by all. And of course now, more often than not, uh, we're live, but just for the, the Patreon, Patreon support. Yeah. And every, everybody else gets to wait, and that's okay. That's cool. It's we're worth waiting for. I think so, too. So. Well, what's what's new, man? What What's what's going on? Oh, man. Uh, same old, same old. The holidays have come and gone. I don't know. Uh, gosh, there's a lot of headlines in the news. What are you asking about me personally or – in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to catch up a little bit. I mean, it's been a long time. And I mean, you know, listeners that are newer to the podcast, uh, Mike Redacted is an oldie but a goodie. One of my closest friends, uh, active duty law enforcement, uh, prior service, uh, army and all around uh, cool guy. And uh, Mike often chimes in on uh, and and I always leave off the most important accolade. Yeah, you are our resident Star Wars expert. I think people are contesting that, though. I did listen to an episode, and somebody was like, "Now nah, I gotta be," which hey, I, I, it's fine. I, I'll, I'll I don't know. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can get behind that assertion. So, well, that's, you know, that's, you know me personally, so you know how much it. Like, I'm, I'm like one step below cosplaying, but like not even that big of a step. That's like a half step. <laughs> no, like if if you could get yourself, you get your hands on like some decent priced, passable Mandalorian armor, the cosplay would happen. I believe one hundred percent would. I'm sure of it. But they they've got that big uh, stormtrooper like group that they dress up, and then Disney like welcomes them out to like march and parades and stuff. So you see all kinds of Mandalorian people showing up in those. But so like the five hundred first, yeah, yeah something like that. The uh, after Vader's group. It's it's crazy how far the cosplay stuff has come these days. Yeah. When you see normally, I feel like the most impressive stuff I see is normally Iron Man related, because some people have gotten really yes. creative with yeah. uh, animatronics and LEDs, and yeah, there's some legit stuff out there. Yeah, well, and those the I've seen some Transformer stuff too. That's pretty cool. Like it's it's you'd almost expect to see it at Universal, but uh, you know, I don't know. That just ain't my bag, baby. <laughs> well, you know what been a, a, a long time since we started the podcast with with the lighter side so uh you know let's let's flip the order of topics here let's let's go with something i was going to plan to do later being that you are our uh, resident star wars expert now this is not breaking news um, this show has been out for a little while but haven't really discussed on the podcast um, the latest star wars show andor which was was on disney plus you haven't talked about that not on the pod, no. oh, not really, wow. dude. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, stop what you're doing and go watch it. That's my take on it. it, it yeah, I mean, for sure, come back and finish. But if you would like, you can stop. <laughs> That's actually right yeah. Don't and, stop and listening to the it. podcast. Finish this and then watch the show. But uh, I'll say this um, for my part as kind of a middling Star Wars fan, right? Like, I haven't read the books. I don't get into the extended universe. Whatever. I'm not above it. I'm not. I think I would enjoy it. I just haven't. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, the absolute best of the Star Wars property. It is the the best Star Wars property, hands down. And and uh, 
enjoyable for non-Star Wars fan. If you haven't ever watched it and or you've watched other Star Wars things and not enjoyed them, uh, you you will enjoy this one. I'm not going to disagree with you entirely, but I don't think it's fair to say it's the best only because it's not the same type, type of thing as like Mandalorian. It's certainly of the television properties. It is it is top tier. It is it is top tier, and it, it is not the same kind of thing, right? Because Mandalorian is like that space western kind of gunfighter thing, and that's a and Andor's a spy show. And uh, what's funny is, it, as we have talked about on here a lot, I end up watching these shows with my son, and while all Star Wars shows are appropriate for kids, this one bored him so much he didn't even want to watch it anymore. Because it's so wow. it's so much more espionage and character yeah. building. I think it's going to get a lot better in season two. And he had lost interest by the time it um, it had picked up its pace later in the season. But I thought yeah. it was amazing. I'm with you. I really liked it a lot. I don't know if I'd like yeah. it more than Mandalorian, but it was really good. I'll say, and this is you know this could be a pro or a con depending on on what somebody's into. The grittiest of the Star Wars properties oh, by yeah. far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so episode one opens with him basically murdering a guy in an alley, you know, so it's uh, it gets up there quick. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, what's funny is for me, my favorite property prior to this was uh, Rogue Squadron. Is it Rogue Squadron Rogue or Rogue One? Rogue One. Rogue One. Um, are they, they're doing something called Rogue, Rogue yeah, Squadron, so, I think. Uh, Patty something, uh, the Wonder Woman director is supposed to be the one directing that. Yeah. Patty Jenkins. Uh, but. But Rogue One was my favorite prior to this because it was the most for a for a series for a property call with war in the name. Right. Uh, Rogue One was the only war movie. It was. It's a war movie. And 100%. I think that's why it was so successful because it was unlike what had come before, and it told uh, a new and interesting story. And I, I that's I don't I don't know why it took Lucasfilm so long to figure out you've got this amazing universe. It doesn't always have to be a Skywalker and a lightsaber. It could be all different yeah. kinds of things. And they're finally yeah. figuring that out. And I love it. I love it. Well, and part of what was so cool about that movie is it was the first time on screen that you really got to see why Darth Vader was so feared. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, even more like, okay, sure. Anakin killed all the younglings fine, but yeah. it was implied. Yeah, it didn't. It was implied. Now you just got to see Darth Vader as a bad, bad man. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to, I think it was still stands as some of the best involving Darth Vader. You saw it a little bit in the Obi-Wan series, which eh, six or seven out of 10, maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Though, that, I'll that scene on the, on the, I guess, where would that have taken place? The Tantive Four or whatever? Yeah. Where Vader's just like murking the, the rebel soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mm. And uh, now I'll say, I'll say this for Obi-Wan. I love Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan and I want more. It didn't live up to expectation, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it too. People knocked little Leia and I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was Leia personified and she stole the show, but I'll say this, uh, the second lightsaber battle in that series between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader Mm. May be the best in canon on film. Okay, fair. In the visual medium. Yeah. I'll give you I that mean, one. Just, it was really good. It was good. It just, I don't know, this show didn't really pop for me. I didn't I didn't like yeah. it as much. Like, I, I remember, 
I think I have actually rewatched Mandalorian and I'm sure I will rewatch Andor. I have enjoyed those so much, but like Book of Boba Fett, no. Obi-Wan, no. very likely not. Well, they did Boba Fett a real disservice in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, and they that did. Just, it was, A, it was Mandalorian, you know, 2.5. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the best episode of the run were the ones taken over by the Mandalorian. Right. Um, I'd love to never see Mark Hamill, even a DH Mark Hamill in a Star Wars property ever again. So right. I didn't, I wasn't a fan of that, yeah. um, which I've shared on here many times. I think he's a horrible actor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just weird. It was like Taika Waititi doing it with like the stupid bike gang. And it was, it was just, yeah, it was just, a, yeah, it, it's terrible. It was just so bad. And it's, it's like the Disneyfication of someone who should have been an anti-hero and, it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive with the character. Like it, you just, you, you took somebody who is classically famous within the star Wars fan community and you basically just wrecked them. Like even yeah. for me, who I think I've even said this on here before because of his legend storyline, Boba Fett was my favorite character for a long time. And he had everybody. And, and he yeah. was supposed to be a background character. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. And he was, yeah. he was a, uh, a chaotic, uh, what do they call that in like the role playing game community? It's like chaotic good versus chaotic evil. Like he's not really a good guy, but he's uh, a good guy really at heart, but he just does bad things sometimes. You know. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what made him so likable. You know. I don't know. <laughs> and he looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah. While we're on Star Wars, uh, Bad Batch Two drops soon. You gonna watch? You excited for this? So it dropped uh, yesterday. Okay. So it's it's out, and I have watched the first two episodes. And I think it's worth it. I I liked Bad Batch got a lot of flack, and I think I was kind of on the fence about it when it first launched. I like the characters, and that Dave Filoni Clone Wars type uh, cartoon is phenomenal. Yeah, and I think now in season two, with the time period that they're exploring, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of tie into the bigger universe. And you're already getting in the feeling from uh, the first two episodes that uh, half of the Bad Batch is ready to go full on fight the Empire. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think it's going to be more, because the first season was just basically about them escaping the, the grasp, and now they're going to get tied into it. And you could see that from the trailer, but like now it's it's out there. Like they're arguing about it. Like, why aren't we doing more? The problem with the first season, though, has a name, and that name is Omega. Yeah, and she's more front and center this season by the looks of things. And, like, I don't know if it's just the character in general. I don't know if it's the voice, but the kid just grates on you. I didn't find her to be terribly annoying, at least in these two episodes, and I hadn't rewatched the season one prior to it launching. Like, I don't know that I can really comment on that, but uh, yeah. I didn't find her to be bad in these two. I watched right. I watched some kind of, something. I don't even remember where, but it was basically saying that well, well, Hunter was the main protagonist for season one. Omega is going to be, or Omega is going to be the protagonist for season two, or like the main person. Which I don't know if you don't feel too hot on Omega, that's not a good sign for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll give it a go. I'm, uh, you know, I'm fair and balanced. I'll, I'll check it out if for no other reason to come on here and talk smack. Yeah, there you go. 
Uh, well, I, I hope it's good. I did. I, I sent you, I think it was a meme a week or two ago that I came across and it was a picture of bad batch over top of a picture of the <laughs> yeah. penguins, from, penguins from Madagascar. Yeah. And it just said, these guys are just Disney's version of these guys. I'm like, ah, oh, they're not wrong. Yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. I mean, ultimately, ultimately bad batch is the A team. I mean, that's, yeah. they're the A team. Yeah. Um, but, it, but again, uh, it so goes not, to show like you have this immersive universe. You could just retell classic stories and put a Star Wars spin on it, and boom, you've got yourself a new property. You yeah, know? you sell Lego sets and action figures and write comic books. Well, and <laughs> if, you know, for that matter, like Boba, depending on whether or not they take him back to his bounty hunter roots, or if Mando gets back into bounty hunting, really, it's just Magnum PI. That's <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong there. I mean, and even hey, like the, not the plethora of Western stories, right? Because that's how the show started out, Space Western. It's kind of yeah. moved away from that a bit, I think, but I could go to it quickly. Well, yeah, well, and they got back to the roots with it some with Mando. Like, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah. Well, and I just mean in terms of, like, uh, even just the cinematography and the music and stuff. Like, season one was very unique, you know? Yeah. It, was, it was felt like you were watching a spaghetti Western. I did uh, with Andor. Uh, constantly have the thought in my head. I'm like, hey, Stranger Things called. They want their soundtrack back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but hey, you got to, you got to go with what's, what's hot. So now there's a, there's something I don't think we've ever talked about on the show. I, I lost interest in Stranger Things. I don't even think I finished season four. Really? Yeah. I was a late, I was a late comer for season one. You, I don't know if you remember that. I was kind of like anti, like I didn't like the first episode. And then I stepped away from it. And then everybody started talking about how amazing it was. And because this, I guess I have this penchant to do this. I was like, that ain't for me then. <laughs> and then I came back and I was like, all right, I see why people like it. Let's do another so, segment yeah. for Yellowstone. Cause I know we were just talking about that. I'm ashamed of it now that I'm deep into season four. <laughs> well, strange, I mean, Stranger Things so scratched the Goonies itch. It Obviously it's moved on from that some, but particularly season one. If you enjoyed, like, I, I can't speak for the whole series to date, but if you enjoy The Goonies, you will enjoy series one of Stranger Things. Yes, I, I will agree with that. I didn't, I don't really yeah. know why I didn't like it uh, when I first watched it. Maybe I was just being a contrarian when I first watched it. I don't remember, but I definitely got hooked on it and I like binged through the whole thing. And then I was excited for season two and I was excited for, I think okay, it might even have been season three that I stopped watching it. Well, I I fell off of, and I don't even know when. Uh, Walking Dead. Oh yeah. Sometimes, sometimes these great properties just they just kind of lose you. I don't know. They they do. I I think it's too much of the same thing. You know, Walking Dead is a is a perfect example of that. Like, you know, I was an OG Walking. I was reading the comic books like years before they made the show, and yeah. uh, all about zombie stuff. I love zombie books and whatnot. And it was a great show up until about, I don't know, season nine, ten. And I'm like, how many times is the same plot line going to get played over and over again? Yeah. And well, it's it's a video game plot line that you defeat one boss mm-hmm. and you move on to the next boss. Now, mm-hmm. I say that to some degree. There are shows that I adore that were that same way. Like I love, I think we've talked about it on here before. I love the show Justified. Timothy Oliphant, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a sequel to it. They're filming a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that. super stoked about that. But um, it was the same thing. It's like they kind of take down, you know, ex-villain or crime family because he's playing, you know, a U.S. Marshal. Right. 
And then there's another big baddie the next season. And I, and I get yeah. that's kind of how it goes. So I can't yeah. fault the walking dead for that too much. Right. But when you're into, I don't know, whatever, 10, 11, 12 seasons. Also, when you're a firearms enthusiast, as we are, yeah, and you're, you're a much more experienced <laughs> and accomplished marksman than myself. Um, yeah. They're, but, they're you know, pulling headshots off the motorcycle while yeah, riding around yeah. with a, like a double action revolver. Like that's not happening. Yeah, you can only suspend disbelief yeah. on the running headshots for so long. Yeah, exactly. Or the, you know, the effortless stabbing of a blade into a skull, mm. regardless of how decomposed. Exactly, because the bone doesn't really decompose, right? It's the flesh and whatnot. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't know what you're stabbing. <laughs> yeah. And there's never oh, eye socket, right? It's always like skull, skull, like forehead. Yes. Well, speaking of gruesome murders... I did want to get your your take, legitimate professional take on these Idaho murders. Yeah, yeah, talk about it. Lay it on me, big dog. What you got? You know, I don't even know that I have a full grasp on the whole thing, and I don't know how much you've paid attention to it. And it'd be interesting to get your take on if these things are less interesting to you, being in law enforcement and having worked investigations yourself. Um, but it did, like from what's been reported, these did seem to be particularly brutal. Uh, murders and I'm sorry I'm laughing at that comment that just popped up (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the beauty of the Patreon chat I'm not laughing at the gruesome quadruple murder yeah Mike saw a squirrel so like as I understand it you know these four girls were were roommates um, you know all going to this college up there in Idaho the last they were seen or heard from was like 2am one night Mm -hmm. And then they're they're just just gruesomely, brutally killed in their home. Now, there's just all kinds of weirdness with this thing. And that I guess they weren't the only roommates that lived there. So there there, there was were, three girls that lived there, and her and one of the girls' boyfriends that had been was spending the night. And those were the four people who were murdered. I think they were a twenty-one. Three of them were twenty-one, and one of them was twenty-four. They were all in their early twenties. But they were all, and, in some way, shape, or form, students at um, Washington State University. Yeah. But living well, in Idaho. Was, I mean, I saw, obviously, there, and and, and there shouldn't be, well, to some de- degree, I, I guess, but I don't know that I even want to see, but I haven't seen, like, crime scene photos. They wouldn't release uh, any of that, but, but, even now. But I, but I remember seeing, at one point, like, some, uh, like, photos from the outside of the house where there was, like, blood like leaking through the floorboards like out onto the foundation of that i mean this was bad bad i don't remember Uh, seeing that but i mean i wouldn't be surprised so basically from what i read about it is it seems like the guy who has now been arrested and i would say it's probably a very solid case since they waited as long as they did um he basically like stealth killed all of them because there was at least from the early news reports, I read that there was no signs of a struggle. So it seemed that every single person had basically been killed in their sleep by this guy with a knife. Now, these are the kind of details that are purposefully withheld from the public so that you can present a prosecutable case or you can inter- when you're interviewing or interrogating somebody, you can throw things out there and see if they recognize, right? And then you can say like, well, this person, you know, this person was stabbed 57 times, but all three of, all three of the other ones were you know, stabbed once. So like, and this person that was stabbed 57 times happens to be the girl that you had a crush on. 
right? Those are, those are the details that would that would be significant for like a prosecutor or investigator when they're interviewing this guy that got picked up. Um, and he seems like a pretty interesting character in some of the some of the things that I've read about it. But to, to your question, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one for the the fact that it's a quadruple homicide. It takes place in Moscow, Idaho, which had not had a homicide for the seven years prior to that quadruple homicide. And by all accounts, it was almost like serial killer-esque level of expertise in committing the crime. Yeah. So I, I didn't watch it super close, but I did read a couple articles about it because you don't, you know, that you just don't see that kind of thing that much. Yeah, I do. Don't I? I normally kind of stay away from crime stuff, uh, especially in entertainment or any even the news and whatnot, because it's just like I see, I see that's my job. I see it all the time, and there was a lot yeah. of pushback, and especially on that case, because like they're not releasing details. Well, they're not going to for that reason because they have to build a case. Well, the the media portrayal of this constantly was just was kind of like oh. You know, can't believe there there haven't been any arrests. Can't believe there aren't any suspects. It, it was basically it, it kind of had this vibe, if not outright saying it, like uh, law enforcement was. Yeah, they were painting law enforcement as incompetent. I yeah. it was the take I came away with Absolutely. without following it. I didn't read every article. I didn't watch every video. But what pieces I did see or read just felt like can't believe this is unsolved and people are in fear because this person's running, you know, running around. Well, they're in fear because of you guys pumping it up exactly. uh, you know, I, so much. Um, it, so yeah, you guys stoking the fear doesn't help, but right. in your, in your experience with this, is it, is it probably more accurate, especially now that we're, we've seen the arrest um, that they were probably on this relatively quickly and we're working to, oh, there, to there's to no, no doubt about it whatsoever. And, Interesting fact, I read something today because I wanted to make sure I was up to date on the latest and greatest about this. Um, they actually caught this person using genetic genealogy, which is incredibly labor intensive. So they they have the way DNA works. And I, I, maybe I'm, all right, if you're a criminal, listen up. This is how this works, which also the presence of DNA suggests I'm going to guess because it was three 21 year old women. I'm going to guess semen. That's just a guess. Pre or post murder, depending on how jacked up this guy was. I thought I saw something. I, I was going to get to the genetic part just because it was so funny. Because we we hit on like the twenty three and Me and genetics, yeah. really heavily with last week's guest. Thanks for listening, Mike. Um, <laughs> but, uh, because of that whole tie in with how she's actually uh, related to to my wife, so it was it was a little. Uh, not funny, but uh, coincidental to me that this was part of this story yeah. after I was kind of hitting on it last week. But I thought I saw something. I'll try and find it while while you talk. That they found DNA on some piece of evidence, like in a trash can outside the victim's house. Certainly, could. I'll see if I can. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't know where that DNA came from. I just know that uh, part of the probable cause to support arrest came from uh, DNA that led to genetic genealogy because apparently they had. Uh, they had captured him or, or had requested some law enforcement agency to do some traffic stops and get pictures specifically of his hands. Oh, so you're making a good point there. I bet you money then that DNA. It's just me guessing because I couldn't figure out the significance of why they wanted this local police department to picture, take pictures of his hands. I would not be surprised because this is how it works when you're stabbing with a knife, either this way or, you know, whatever. A lot of times people don't realize when blood gets on your hands how slippery a knife is. So when you have somebody, a suspect, uh, there's usually a self-inflicted wound 
on their hands. So even if the guy was wearing blood, blood if he was wearing gloves, um, there's a good chance his hand slipped and he cut himself. And if he was not a serial killer, he would have maybe taken those gloves off and thrown them, you know, yeah. in a garbage can or whatever. And kudos again. This is, I got the same vibe about the news media, right? Painting the local law enforcement or even the, the state law enforcement as incompetent. Good on them for doing a canvas and checking all of those things and finding the bloody glove, yeah. right? Because that's what that, that that made or break, or that that made or broke the OJ homicide, and that was incompetence yeah. of LAPD mishandling that investigation, which blew that out of the water. So good on them. Go go Idaho. Yeah. Go Idaho State Police. This was crazy. Like, however they got that DNA, how they tied it to him was. And I, I don't think it's clear whether it was like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, yeah. but they tied it to him through a relative who had done, participated in one of those services. Right. So what you can do, um, and genetic genealogy is, is kind of still a, an up-and-coming tactic in the law enforcement community. I say it's not really up-and-coming because it's probably been around for a solid like seven years, but it's not commonly used only for really high-profile cases because of kind of it it doesn't always pan out it doesn't work but it's a good thing to throw at cold cases and whatnot you know you you can apply you have to go through each individual company and the big ones you know ancestry 23 and me whatever and there's a couple of like clearing houses that if you elect to share your data depending on how you do it you can go through like a third-party vendor uh, honestly if you're like concerned about big brother looking into this stuff's actually kind of interesting because we're willingly giving over our dna basically to Anybody who wants it for whatever reason, and we could do yeah. a total dovetail here into gain of function research out of Wuhan that we have, <laughs> if you want, but I'm guessing you don't want to talk about that. Hey, you know, it's the Sound Zone podcast. So it seems like I'm, I'm, there's so many articles right now and it's, it's on this because it's, it's the news du jour today. Uh, but I'm seeing like DNA on knife. It seems like still at his home because they were on. So this kid had this like cross country trip planned back home with his dad before all of this. Yeah. Um, and, but they were onto him before then, like they were tracking them on that road trip and then surveilled uh, the home, I guess. Yeah. So he threw something away. Um, at their home, DNA from trash at Idaho murders suspect Brian Koberg's family home in Pennsylvania linked him to crime. Hmm. So he took the cross-country yeah. trip, chucked the murder weapon at his home in Pennsylvania, yeah. thinking they wouldn't find it even if they did a search warrant of his house. But I don't know if you saw this. He's a, he has a master's degree in criminal justice, and he's a PhD yeah. student for criminal justice. Yes, and had been like interviewing murderers as part of his thesis. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The FBI collected trash from the family home of accused Idaho killer Brian Koberg in order to link him to the gruesome quadruple murder. Match that of a. Let's see. The DNA profile recovered on December 27th from the garbage. This is from the New York Post. Um, garbage at Koberg's parents' house in Monroe County, Pennsylvania. Matched that of a knife sheath left at the crime scene. Hmm. According to the police's probable cause affidavit, DNA analysis, which was conducted following the following day in the Idaho state lab showed a sample from the trash belonged to Coburg's father, Michael with more than 99% accuracy. 
Yeah. That's interesting. I, I had everything that I had read said all of the documents were sealed. I wonder how they got that information. What's the date on that article, Kale? This is, let's see, this is New York Post, and this is from today, January 5th, 3.20 p.m. Oh, so maybe they pushed some information out. I, they, I'm telling you, this guy's cooked. They, they must have an amazing case against them, especially off of what you just said. Um, you've, got, you've, got, you've got that. I would wager that there is some tangential relation between this guy and the murder victims. And I would, I almost got like an incel vibe when I was reading kind of about him and he was probably crushing on one of the girls and ended up, uh, feeling like maybe, maybe there was a witness, maybe somebody woke up and he just felt like he had to kill everybody to cover his tracks. But that's why I mentioned the multiple stabbings, right? It's a crime of passion kind of thing. it, It feels more calculated than that though. Don't you think or no? It does, honestly. I mean, it just depends. I, it's so hard to say without seeing the scene and kind of the, the details, but it definitely, you could go mo- so many ways. Like when you have surface level facts on a criminal case, and this is one thing you have to constantly warn investigators about. Investigative bias is a real thing. You can look at facts and you can, you can jump to conclusions because it makes sense to you. And uh, it doesn't always, it could be completely coincidental or this guy could have been the next like Jeffrey Dahmer and he's got other victims out there that we don't even know. The fact that he studies criminal justice and he's been part of uh, I was reading something about how he had enrolled in a study to see and talk to and interview people or uh, killers to see about how it made them feel if they were trying to they were trying to find like if there was an underlying motive pattern associated with killers, I think and that's what he was involved in. So that it could be completely unrelated, and this could have been like, you know, one of the girls was turning him down, or, and that's why he killed them all, or yeah. he, which is a really bad guy, and he was caught. Yeah. Well, and this might just be the perception from the way the media was painting it was basically like, you know, this, you know, genius killer had had stumped the police. And yeah. so maybe it's that he just wasn't as bright as he thought himself him was and may, uh, him was <laughs> maybe he wasn't <laughs> as bright as he thought he was or as the media portrayed him to be. And maybe the police weren't as befuddled as the media portrayed them to be. Right. But there, there does seem to be some obvious, um, you know, stupid missteps here. Like may, maybe don't leave the knife sheath at the murder scene or m- maybe that thing that got thrown away outside of your parents home, maybe dump that in any random trash can at any number of gas stations you stopped at on the drive home. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. So those two facts alone are indicative of this guy either didn't have prior victims or was certainly not as, you know, the fearsome killer that the media portrayed him to be. Yeah. That's why I say, like, my my vibe on this, my hunch, just reading all this stuff, was this guy just wanted to get with one of those attractive young girls, and they shot him, she shot him down, or maybe they both did. I don't know. Yeah. It does feel like we're probably going to find out at some point that he was abusing cats or something. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least they caught him, and, you know, now we'll just spend untold tax dollars housing and feeding him for decades worth of trials and appeals when really all that should happen is 
this dude just needs to get locked in a room with those girls' dads, and let's be done with this. Oh, yeah. And they're, the families are still really upset about this, uh, as you can imagine. So, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a shame, man. I well, especially in our super liberal circuit that we we work out of, you know, the criminal justice system is really broken. And I don't law enforcement's the problem in some places, but I think it's the court process for most of the time. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, and you just you look at what it's done to places like San Francisco. You oh look at what's gosh. going on in uh, New York. Um, you know, which so much of the work that had been done uh, to make New York nice and safe is just being unraveled. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember when it was. We we did our last trip there. I, I've been there twice. Uh, first time, didn't enjoy it so much. Second time, we had a blast. And, you know, me and my wife, you know, we walked around everywhere and we rode this. There was no point we didn't feel safe. There was, you know, whatever. I wouldn't go up there and do that right now. I mean, it's just not the same, yeah. same New York with the no cash bail and... It's crazy. Uh, and then the stuff out in California, I mean, there's entire businesses leaving these areas like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the drugstores and stuff with this, uh, you know, the cops won't respond yeah. if, you know, the value of things stolen is under $1,000. So, I mean, these guys, you find video and video after video on the internet, guys just walking in, grabbing everything they can carry and walking out. And do you fault these you, businesses for leaving those places? Oh, of this course This makes not. no sense at all. No, no sense. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you stay? It doesn't make a, a lick of sense. I, I just don't get it. And I don't understand. This is what blows me away, right? It, it exposes the whole flaw behind all of that woke nonsense. It's not empirical in any way, shape, or form, right? Red light districts, open drug markets, that stuff's been tried. It doesn't help rates of use. It doesn't help rates of abuse. It doesn't help anybody. It makes it worse. So what are they going to yeah. do? They're going to keep trying it. They're like, well, you know what? It's like communism. Well, it's failed miserably every other time in human history, but maybe not our place. Like, no, yeah. it's going to fail just as colossally. So, well, I saw I saw a great take on that just today that I hadn't seen anywhere else. It was like, yeah, for everyone who's saying real communism's never been tried, well, real capitalism's never been tried either. But the difference <laughs> is the difference is when not quite real communism fails, people die. And when not quite real capitalism fails, everybody's better off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I it just I don't get it. I don't understand why people can't with a a rational approach to policing or governance, um, look at some of these problems and try to come up with solutions. But you it, you could go so many different directions with that comment. I will let you take it from here. Where do you want to talk <laughs> about with that? Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, we, could, we could talk about, um, gosh, what do they call that? Uh, ESG um, uh, affecting market investments, which is mind-blowingly silly. You could talk about critical race theory in schools. You could talk about uh, heck our tax system. And then you talk about Trump not paying tax. You know, I'm yeah. a fan of, um, you know, gosh, the, I'm having a brain fart, but it's the type of tax system where you, it's a consumption based task. Yeah. Yeah. What that yeah, is called. Fair, fair, fair tax. Fair tax. Thank you. How did yeah. I forget that? That was, uh, you know, Neil Borch wrote a book with that, uh, in consultation. I think we wrote it with a Senator or, or a Congressman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, 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 it's, it would not be in addition to, 
uh, an income tax. It would replace, would replace. Uh, absolutely an, an income tax. So you would you you would pay additional taxes on everything you buy, right? But instead of income tax, and then you get to decide what level of tax you pay. And that um, if you're really well off and you want to uh, buy a Porsche, okay, well you're going to pay tax on a Porsche. But if you're really well off, right. And you want to buy a Sentra, then you're only going to pay Sentra tax. Or maybe you buy your Porsche used because the guy that had to have it new can take the tax hit. Right. And then and then you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, it's a consumption tax. It's you determine your your tax level based on how you live. Exactly. Uh, and the and the and beautiful then, thing about that is obviously the the final product that ever actually hits the world, if it ever does, is it replaces the tax code that is so just out of place and out of step that you, I you know, I think mean, we've even talked about this. I maybe, you know, where you have like uh, every year, it seems like news articles are, are put out about how jacked up the tax system is. And, you know, they, they do these studies where they give the same tax packet to 10 different professionals and they get 10 different answers. This uh-huh. would just scrap the whole thing because yeah. It's just what you said. It would be a fixed rate with a prebate to people who wouldn't be paying taxes normally. Yeah. Yeah. Basically they, they'd get an advanced credit. So to, to say, Oh, well that's not fair for people at the the bottom end of the, the wage who currently aren't paying any income tax at all. Um, and, uh, but so they would basically get a prebate so that they aren't paying taxes on, on necessities, uh, you know, food and toothpaste and toiletries, whatever. Um, so yeah, that, or, or even a flat tax, like, why is it, if, if it's not fair to, to tax you and I mm-hmm. at 35%, then why is it fair to tax a millionaire or a billionaire at 35%? Like mm-hmm. how much is, how, how much is it fair when you think about it of a, of, in the sense of a dollar, it makes a lot more sense. It's like how much right. of, of a, every dollar that I earn, do you have a right to, how much is it fair to take 50 cents, 75 cents? Right. Um, you know, and if it's not fair to take that much from me or from you, then why is it fair to take that much from, from Elon Musk or from, from a Donald Trump, you know, and Trump called it. He's like, yeah, I pay the least amount in taxes as I can. Exactly. Just like everybody else does. Like I I think he called out Nancy Pelosi on it at one time. Like, Hey, if you guys will stop writing these loopholes into the tax law for your friends, then I won't take, I won't be able to take advantage of them either. But while they're there, it's dumb not to take advantage of them. Cause tell me who's going to, I guess I want to amend what I was saying. I was, I wasn't knocking Trump, not paying taxes. Because the yeah. reality of it is, is nobody who is wealthy pays taxes. The middle class pays taxes. Corporates, corporations pay taxes in some cases, right? You listen to any, any book on economics, right? Robert, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad guy, yeah. he is so blunt and upfront about it. That man hasn't paid taxes and carries forward debt his whole life. Billions, yeah. I just, I listened to him, I think on the Dave Ramsey show. And he was he was bragging about the fact that he owed like six billion dollars in debt, and that when he died, all of his wealth would be transferred to his family, and that debt would disappear. That it, it's legal, it's legal. Yeah. But that's subject up our system. It's designed there to is, keep people wealthy who is wealthy. Like it also gets painted to, uh, it's disingenuous. The like, oh, you know, this this rich dude's paying less in taxes than his secretary. 
Well, yeah, that's true. No, yeah, not, that's no, true. because his com- because his compensation is different. Right. So he's not he's not paying income tax because he's compensated differently. Like he's compensated in like shares and other means of compensation. Right. Those are taxed when they're realized. Yeah. So they do have to pay capital gains tax. So when they when they've got those investments, right? And an, an investment that's just sitting there invested, it can be up. I mean, you look at at Elon Musk's wealth right now. The dude has lost $200 billion, but he didn't really lose it because he didn't ever realize it. It was all theoretical. Right. Like the stock's up. If it's up and you don't sell it, you haven't really gained anything. If it's if it's down and you don't sell it, you haven't really lost anything unless it never comes back up to, to the value you got it at. So at the point that they do avail themselves of that value, like when Elon's selling this te- the Tesla stock, and stuff, which he did to, to make this Twitter purchase, mm-hmm. like they'll pay the capital gains tax on that. So they'll pay like 15%, which is not nothing. It's not nothing. <laughs> but the other side of that is there are, there are metrics to get out of paying that if you do certain things with that money. And that's going back to Robert Kiyosaki. I just recently listened to that. It's like, um, uh, real estate purchases. Like you can basically, uh, all of the gains that you get from real estate sale and development, you can roll forward as long as you do it within a calendar year. So it doesn't matter if you if you made ten million dollars on the sale of an apartment building, and that was all gain. If as long as you invest that in new real estate purchases within that same year, none of that is taxable. Yeah. So it's like I'm sure there well, are things just like that with tax or stock. And again, which which fair enough because you you didn't really realize the gain though. Like I'll yeah. say this on a tiny tiny scale, I intentionally made sure by the end of of 2022 that every dollar I had made from the Solid 7 podcast was reinvested, was mm-hmm. spent on the Solid 7 podcast, yeah. buying guests Jocko Goes and, and upgrading equipment and all that type of stuff because I'd rather invest 100% of that money back into the podcast mm-hmm. than, than pay self-employment tax, which will be would be upwards of 30% <laughs> exactly. on that money to the government. Yeah. And you get a tax break by by having like a, a non profitable business, basically, for at least for yeah. a certain number of years. Otherwise, they'll take your LLC. But you have to show profit eventually. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, it's but again, that's the the tax law is written the way the tax law is written, and it's not evil to take advantage no. of the way it's written no. to pay as little as you possibly can. Right. And the thing is, if you have a fair tax, if you have a consumption tax, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, you. The way you scheme that system is you only ever buy used things. Right, exactly. But, but you're not going to buy used food. No. You're not going to buy used toilet paper. So you right. still couldn't avoid it. And what that does is bring everybody who lives outside of mm-hmm. legal taxation right now into the tax market. Right. You're an illegal alien. You're not paying income tax. Yeah, you're you still going. You're still. You're still yeah. buying stuff. You're a drug dealer. You're not paying income tax. Mm-hmm. Well, that that dope whip you need to have. Well, now you, you, you know, the rims you have to have on it, you're paying tax on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you're not going to buy them used. Exactly. You know, um, I'm a huge so, fan. And, I, I would vote for a candidate. Um, in fact, you know, it's funny hitting the rewind button. One of the reasons why I liked DeSantis so much back in the day when he first got elected in 2016 is that he was a proponent of the fair tax. I'm a huge fan of that. Like our tax code is so ridiculously jacked up. Yeah, fair, fair tax, or, yeah, fair tax or flat tax, either one. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have their pros and cons. Either one would be better than what we have exactly. now. Um, and 
And the the idea is like right now in income tax, like, okay, I, I get, you know, <laughs> how whatever it feels, you know, constantly, you know, taxation is theft. With income tax, property tax too, it really kind of is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whereas if, if you go to a fair tax, a consumption tax, you're voluntarily participating. Exactly. In, in that tax system. Yeah. Um, so, so there's some merit there. But the reality is, that our tax code should fit on one or two pieces of eight and a half by 11 paper right. in 12 and 12 point single space font. And anybody and everybody who's got a fifth grade reading level or higher should be able to understand Absolutely. it. And then you can't, um, uh, you can't reward your friends with it. So if you're a congressperson looking to re- reward your your buddies who donated to your campaign okay. or invited you on their yacht for vacation, they exactly. weren't on the yacht, but they invited you. Um, and then you also can't punish your enemies with it. Exactly. It's and a, then you also, and and you're probably you know uh, you got you got your finger on the pulse of this more even than me. But there there's several books about this. I think maybe there's even been podcasts. Uh, you know, about like crime a day, like basically, oh, yeah, even you know, outside of tax law, there's so there's so many laws on the books, federal, state and local, mm-hmm. like we're all breaking multiple laws a day. And that's part of the case, you know, like you talked about, like, let's give the tax code to however many different experts. And my wife works in this space. Mm-hmm. She is yeah. a legitimate professional expert in this. Give it to however many experts and you're going to, you know, give it to 10 and you're going to get 10 different results. You're going to get 10 different answers. And it's, you know, some of these things are just designed to make criminals of us. Yeah. Where, hey, you better watch your P's and Q's because yep. we've got you if we want you. Well, that's the other side of it. And you talked about this, about punishing your enemies, right? They, there are, it's it's a fact. The IRS has been weaponized to target certain things and certain people. You kind of argue that I, I wouldn't be shocked if they started auditing some, some of Trump stuff and then went after him for what we are just talking about right now. Yeah, but like it's uh, it's crazy. And here's a segue for for the speaker contest, right? Um, that's one of the reasons the Freedom Caucus is pushing back against McCarthy. They're they're upset and tired of these crazy omnibus bills that you don't have time to read before they're expected to mm-hmm. uh, to vote on. And the fact yeah. that we've completely the conservative side of the aisle has completely ceded fiscal conservatorship. Like we oh, are, yeah. are we are we the fiscal party anymore? You, the evidence would suggest we are not. And no, no, some of no them one are, is. and they're kind of like, hey, this is not good. Maybe we should yeah, do something. I here. mean, the, the last time we ran a budget surplus in this country was under Bill Clinton. Now, it was also with Newt Gingrich, which goes yeah. to show how important that role of Speaker of the House is. Yeah. But here we're, you know, we're, I mean, the term is fiscal conservative. <laughs> A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. Like that's literally in the saying. Yeah. And yet we've had Republicans in the White House. We've had Republican Senates. We've had Republican House. And, and the debt just continues to climb. Yeah. The deficit just continues to climb. Right. And they, they start to, to hide it like Joe Biden's, uh, you know, a big fan oh, of yeah. talking about how I've reduced the deficit. I reduced the deficit. Yeah, they yeah. say deficit and not debt because there's, he's still adding debt. Yeah. Exactly, but they say but they say deficit, and a lot of people don't understand the difference. Yeah, and so oh, they're good, and I mean, you know, just to especially with interest rates climbing, that that's part of the problem with with the inflation and the climbing interest rates. Yep, that that thirty trillion dollars. 
that's no different than your than your home loan. We're servicing that debt. We're making payments on that right. debt. And when the interest rates go up, the payments on that debt goes up. Exactly. And that's the thing that people don't realize. I, I, I looked this up. I don't think we were planning on talking about national debt, but it is a huge concern for me. And I, I was looking this up recently, and our percentage of GDP, I think we're at or over 100% now. And that 10% of our national budget goes to paying interest payments on our debt. 10%. That's, that's mind-blowing. That's insane. Like I, I'm, and, and that's now. That's now. Yeah. At whatever our ratio yeah. is now. And that, like you pointed out, yeah. it's just been going up. At least as we, as we sit here and record right now, we're, we're the wealthiest nation in the, history, in the known history of the world. We can't live within our means. <laughs> exactly. We you can't know, live within our means. I listened to uh, to Jordan Peterson podcast recently, and they had a. It was an Australian guy. He was. I don't know what they. He was a parliament. Um, whatever they call that in Australia. Anyway, he was. Part yeah, it doesn't of, matter. It's not a <laughs> That's right. Well, so this is the. I thought this was interesting because I am so fascinated by the debt thing. Australia has, um, or did at least very recently, had completely eliminated their national debt. Through the through the uh, several years of a coalition government working towards debt payment, and this guy was one of the leaders of the movement that did that, and uh, he talked about kind of like why it worked there and why it's unlikely to work pretty much anywhere else or ever again in Australia because it was such a unique mixture of people working together towards a common goal that's not really popular. But the reality of it is, yeah. is here in America, man, our politicians love to cash checks. They love yeah. to buy votes, man. And it's all great. It's all gravy, baby, until we have what happened to Greece and all the austerity Damn. measures. When you look at all the stupid, stupid stuff that was in this omnibus bill. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Just re infuriating, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, heck, it's, uh, it, it is... <sighs> I, I'm, I'm speechless at just how much we are betraying our country by allowing this stuff to continue to go unchecked. And honestly, it's probably not going to matter too much for you and me, but it will 100% yeah. matter for our kids, especially yeah. the trajectory that we are going on. So it is, uh, yeah, I just uh, throw them all out, you know, term limit them all. It, it, it's funny, you know, watching the speaker of the house thing play out because we, we all knew, we, everybody knew it was coming. Mm-hmm post-election when it was so tight everybody knew it was coming and it was funny i i saw somebody from from this kind of group of 20 as we sit right now group of 20 holdouts that won't vote for uh, kevin mccarthy uh for speaker of the house um one of them's like hey we were trying to negotiate this and get this figured out way back in june yeah but he didn't think he was going to need our votes so he didn't take us seriously right um and you know just hearing reports like out of the uh, you know, the the caucus meetings of McCarthy being like, I, I earned this. Like he feels entitled to, entitled right. to it. That in and of itself. That should be disqualification. Me, right then and there. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the George Washingtons. I'm looking for the people that are pressed into service and don't want to be. Exactly. Um, that's why I don't hate them voting for Jim Jordan for either. Speaker of the House, even though he's saying no vote for him. That makes me want to vote for you more, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and maybe he's playing 3D chess, man. Maybe he's like, I'm going to say I don't want it, but I really want it. <laughs> uh, but to be sure, there's there's some kooks in that group of 20. Oh, 
All right. Absolutely. I'll just just leave it at that. To be sure, there's some people that are just power hungry. Like the idea that you're demanding seats on specific committees or even the gavels on specific committees. Not a good reason. That's uncalled for. That kind of quid pro quo, no, sorry. Um, But there are people like Chip Roy out of Texas that are just freaking patriots. Uh, Yep. And are are sick of Republicans not governing as conservatives exactly. and doesn't want to vote for the same old, same old yep. and isn't going to. And I can't be mad at that. I, I'm I'm with them. I, I, everybody says, you know, if not, you know, if not McCarthy, then who? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Jim Jordan's a great option. Why not? Uh, Give him a go. But uh, but he's just he is. Uh, you know, I'm hesitant to use swampy because it's so Trump adjacent and that so turns people off. Right. But he but he is. He's I mean, he's swampy. he's a career DC politician. He's he's a world economic fund guy. He's a WEF guy. Yes. There's so much about his history and his profile. I mean, you you could Kevin McCarthy's just not a good choice. And the fact that he's he he's been put forward by the status quo. Republicans that lost us what should have been a freaking landslide midterm, it should be a disqualifier in and of itself. Yeah. And I, I'm well, interested to hear your take on this. Dan Crenshaw has been in the news a little bit about this, about being <laughs> such a pro-McCarthy guy. Man, we talk about a colossal letdown of a person. I was so excited I was. Him. I had a little back and forth with a, a friend of ours today. You'll know exactly who it is without me uh, naming him, um, who was just railing on Crenshaw for his comment today. And I got to say, like, I haven't been a stand for Crenshaw, but I've been a little more forgiving of him than, than some, at least in our circle. But he, he came out, I think it was today and referred to these 20 holdouts as terrorists. Come on, dude. You have everybody, you have fought terrorists and you're going to call them that. How is Lauren Bobert a freaking terrorist? For him, of all people, to use that word so flippantly, I get it. I, I do get it. I get where he was coming from. I get I get the annoyance. I do. Yeah. I get nobody nobody's thrilled at how this makes um the Republican Party look right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think if like if you if you come out of this with strong conservative governance. Um, and your, your counter to the policies that have been decimating our country for the last two years, then all will be forgiven and forgotten. Like America has a real short-term memory, uh, particularly these days. Um, so if we're, if we're better off economically, if we're safer, if we're, um, you know, like if you're in debt, (laughs) if you, if you're grossly in debt, um, you're not really in a great position to be buying your neighbor's groceries, no matter how bad they need them. Yeah. So, you know, if we end up, maybe we don't just keep writing Ukraine blank checks, like, (laughs) like all kinds of different stuff that, you know, if they force legitimate conservative governance, um, you know, back in, you know, the last time this happened was like in the 1880s, like post-Civil War. And it took, it was a long period of time before they settled on a speaker, but you know what? We survived and everything was, everything was fine. Yep. And. To me, it just speaks to McCarthy that, okay, if if this is so damaging to the country, if this is so damaging to the Republican Party, and this is just we're we're a laughing stock, this is an embarrassment. 
well, dude, where are your priorities? If you're saying, no, I'm in this to the bitter end. Yeah, exactly. If you've, if you've, if you've got five Republican representatives saying, I will not vote for you under any circumstances, it yeah. will not happen. Then a, you either got to go hat in hand to some Democrats mm-hmm. and try and cut a deal, which they're talking or you've about doing. Say, or you got to say, you know what, as disappointed as I am, the best thing for our country and the best thing for our party yep. is for me to step aside. And he won't because he earned this. He earned this it. is his. It's, it's mine. All, it's all That's people. my gavel. No, Bubba. Yeah. That's <laughs> the people's gavel. And so what's funny is that, you know, that the, 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 the pro McCarthy – People are are saying, oh, these are their children. They're, you know, this is ridiculous. This is whatever. They're terrorists. When McCarthy's the one throwing a toddler tantrum. Exactly. Exactly. Mine, mine, mine. Yeah, that's 100% what's happening. And it's frustrating, honestly. And I think that what's interesting, too, is I, I read another article fairly recently that talked about um, it was from a polling company, you know, and those are hit or miss, I know, but it was, yeah. it was, significant majority of Republican voters was in favor of McCarthy not getting a speakership. Yeah. So what's that tell you? I think yeah. the Republican voters, maybe we do have a short-term memory. Maybe that's reality. And the sting of the midterms still stands. Um, but why does he deserve it? What has he done to yeah. deserve it? Nothing. And uh, re- like, Really, a California Republican's the best we can do. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry, if, you're, if your last name's not Reagan, yeah. if you're a California Republican, nah, yeah. I have my doubts. I, I don't know whereabouts <laughs> from California he is. Maybe he's from like uh, Northern California or whatever, but still, where's the Texan or Floridian? But yeah, he's, he's just a status quo, swampy DC guy. And I think yeah. there are better options. I think we can do better. You know what's funny too on that kind of that same. DC swampy politician stuff. The thing that we haven't talked about that I think is important. Um, the Democrats freaking hate him. They hate him. And the reality of it is, is we need some cooperation. We do need some across the aisle stuff to move the country forward. And when you like this, this polarization of our government, is just getting worse and worse and worse, just like our society. It's not for the best of our country. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and yes and no. I agree. The polarization is the the demonization uh, and the dehumanization of the as as the lefties like to put it right now, the othering yeah. of of people um, is bad from both sides. Absolutely, uh, right now. But I like government gridlock. Like I like a divided house. Yeah. I like it. I like for it to be really hard for Congress to pass more laws. Yeah. To take more of our freedom away because that's anytime a law is passed at any level, we are less free. That's how that works. Right. That, yeah, that's uh, the thing that's is not- I, I, Trump is is toxic, but his whole thing about like removing regulation, two regulations for every one new regulation. Like there was yeah. so much of his politics. I really like which I think he stole from Rand. But yeah, hey, whatever. There's a guy that needs to freaking run. I don't want to turn this I into would, a yes. Trump episode, but there are so many people no. I would love to see run that's not him well i'll tell you in um you know what was what was his first election 2012 when he ran but didn't get it you're talking about trump no 2016 was trump's first election right well he ran in 12 but didn't get the nomination 
and then he ran in right. 2016 and got the nomination. 2016 is when he got elected. So I, I've always said on here like that, uh, you know, I, I didn't vote for, for Trump in the primary and I didn't vote for him in the general in that first election. I didn't vote for Hillary. In the primary, I voted for Rand. Yeah. Um, that said, um, I don't think Rand Paul's ever going to get elected president. No. Uh, I would love to see Rand Paul as like secretary of the treasury or chairman of the Fed. <laughs> exactly. Audit that beast. Yeah. If, if Rand, if Rand Paul was chairman of the Fed, he'd have that job for roughly five days. That's <laughs> probably <laughs> true. He would shut, not because he'd get fired because the Fed would cease to exist. Exactly. There would be so yeah. many like damning revelations. I think that came out, you know, that it just, it would be shut down and there'd be probably be popular revolt against it, to be honest with you. I th- and that's yeah. the same thing. Freaking media, you know, same things happening with Twitter, right? All of these revelations that have come out from Elon, people should be really talking about this stuff, but it's been pushed to the fringe and nobody oh is gosh. Yeah, like how much, yeah. how much collusion and cover up do you need to see? It's mind blowing. It's like, we're living in it's a bizarre insane. world. I really don't understand yeah. that place. Yeah, I I don't get it, man. Um, but uh, <laughs> Trump running again, I I don't know, man. Um, my here's my big fear is that um, he loses the primary and runs independent. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think uh, as much as I think it's going to cost us the election, I think we just let him run. That's our best chance because the the I, he's so narcissistic that. Uh, you're just going to, he's going to do that, you know? And I, I, yeah. I like the mentality and temperament of Theodore Roosevelt. I don't necessarily agree with his politics. Um, and that's exactly what happened that allowed Woodrow Wilson to get elected. You know, yeah. almost Republicans, right? Split the Republican vote. Dude, um, you know, so much of what we've been talking about, uh, you know, kind of leads into why I'm such a big fan of Tuttle Twins. And you're actually who turned me on to total twins yeah. like you got there first yeah. um you know we're affiliates at the podcast that, that you know our links on the on the website sounds i know you like you and your wife are affiliates too yeah. um you guys <laughs> been awesome. for a while and it it made me so happy to see because they released a new book like just today or or yesterday as we're recording yeah um and it's like uh modern villains yes. i think is what yeah. it's called yep um, and what's funny is like, I, I saw the list, I'm, I'm pulling it up real quick and there's people you would expect to be on there. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to try and find it here real quick. In typical libertarian fashion though, there's a lot of names on there that I was like, man, they're the expected names, but there's a lot of like unknowns. And they did the same thing in some of their other teen, like the heroes book. And there were a lot yeah. of people you'd probably never heard of in that book. Yeah. So this is modern villains is this book. Um, Oh, does this not have it on here? Here to see. I saw like a list of who they included. So there's names you would expect to see, and then there's names that absolutely should be there, but just most Americans aren't aware of. Yeah. And um, Woodrow Wilson was one of them, and it made me so happy to see it. <laughs> exactly. Such a scumbag. And nobody knows was, that. Nobody knows that unless you were a and student like of history. It's, you don't it's, know. Yeah, and it's the beginning of this progressive movement that we're, we're seeing the negative impacts of in society now. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. So I was not at all surprised from them no. to see that there, uh, but uh, happy to see it there yeah. too. I'm like, oh, good for you guys. Yeah. So that listeners, if you want to check that out, um, you know, for sure, use the link on uh, solidsonpodcast.com to get to Tuttle Twins. Uh, but their new book, it's the Tuttle Twins Guide to Modern Villains. And uh, right, it's it's only 15 bucks right now. It's on sale for 12 because it's a, either a launch or a pre-order. Yeah. So I don't know if that'll still be the case when this drops. Uh, but either way, that'd be a, a worthy we'd read probably for adults or kids. Yeah. Either one. So, so that's one of their that's one of their thicker ones that's aimed at teenagers, not really like kid kids. Um, but yeah, it'd be a good read for adults. Every single one of those books, from the kid books to like the teenager books, I've read myself, and I think they're phenomenal. And they teach they're foundational stuff. They teach you like easily digestible, really heavy topics. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. People yeah. should know, you know, and it's like a creature from Jekyll Island. You know, people should read yeah, stuff Glenn, like that. Glenn Beck uh, released a book along these lines um, a while back ago. And it was like Dreamers and Deceivers, I think. Yeah. It was kind of that. Yeah, that's 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 a good read, too, along these these same lines yep. and really enlightening. Uh, as far as something, I think, I think he might have, I can't remember if he included edison in there as a deceiver but when you really get into edison yeah um dude he was a sketchy dude oh yeah yeah and in this especially in the electricity battles yeah. he's like straight up electrocuting elephants yeah like to show the dangers of ac electricity and stuff. yes <laughs> yeah he was ruthless it's uh it's one of those things where i don't think it just goes to show you that there's always like a kind of two sides of history right and just how you have to kind of be knowledgeable on a topic because Edison's painted as this like great American inventor, someone, you know, Menlo Park and all these things real fanciful, but he was a dirty dude. He was a dirty dude and straight up uh, Nikola Tesla got really screwed over by him. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been cool to kind of see like the retconning of Tesla's reputation yeah. though in recent years. Yeah. And see him start to get some of the credit for the genius, uh, you know, that he, he was. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but, well, you know, so we're, you know, we're talking about who makes sense for candidates and who doesn't make sense for candidates. And if we're going to have that conversation, we have to talk about our governor. Oh, the best. Ron, Ron DeSantis. Absolutely. Um, here, here's my thing. Should he run? Yes. Like, uh, politics is not forgiving of missing your moment. And it's, it's his definitely, moment. Absolutely. It's his moment. But if he runs, I, it's gonna, you're going to have what happened. Which, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just, I wish with everything in me that somehow, some way, by some miracle, Trump would go, you know, what's... I'm, you know, t talking like Trump does. Trump is too polarizing. I'm speaking as him because that's what he would say. Mm -hmm. They hate Trump. They won't, they'll cheat. They won't let Trump win. Right. No matter what, they won't let Trump win. So for the good of the party, I'm stepping aside and giving my endorsement to Governor DeSantis. Exactly. But it'll never happen. It will not happen. His ego will not allow it. Exactly. And it's, uh, it is a shame. Because I, it, you know, 
You don't normally see someone who loses an election run again. And I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about what would very likely happen to DeSantis, because I think he would probably win in the primaries. But if you have that split thing with Trump forming his own party, which I fully expect to happen, yeah. I don't think DeSantis would win, even though, you know, you look at the record growth in Florida. You know, it, it, it's so funny. New York and California both, they love to talk smack about Florida, but hey, check the stats, man. Y'all suck. <laughs> We're on yeah. fire. We're burning it up down here. Love it. There was, there was an article this, I was just talking um, with actually uh, like essentially a, a college professor, an, an AP history teacher recently we're talking about an article um, that she read about this family. I think she was actually, um, you know, some type of journalist or whatever. Um, up in New York, like that, you know, when she thought schools were going to reopen and they stay closed and the masking and all that stuff moved down to Florida because they felt like it was best for their kids. Yeah. And then after a certain period of time, they're like, you know, we're not done with New York. We miss it too much. We're going to go back, went back and just still then having been down here, going back up, it made it less tolerable. And they're like, you know, New York's in our blood. Our family were immigrants from Romania and from, uh, and Jewish immigrants and like they wanted with all everything in them to be in New York, mm -hmm. but just having been down here, just finally found the political climate intolerable yep. uh, there. And just, I'm telling you, if you live outside Florida, the picture that has been painted of things here is not accurate depending on what your, your news source is. That's the key. Yeah. Cause they, they, the Santa's gets a lot of flack, uh, especially from the left. And I think it's because they're afraid of no. it. They're throwing so many stones at, at our style of governance. But he won yeah. by a 20-point margin, practically. I think it was like 18%. That's unheard of in modern politics. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Everybody was like, oh, you know, there was no red wave. There was no red wave. There was. There was in Florida. There was in Florida. There was in Florida. Uh, and, you know, in fairness, where else there was was actually in New York. Yeah. Um, the, the governor's race was very tight. Yeah. But Republicans flipped several House seats in New York. Yeah. And that's why— that's why McCarthy might get to be Speaker of the House right now is because of New York. If those yeah. seats didn't flip, no no dice. Uh, but he's definitely got the hot hand right now. Man, I'm telling you, he's just a great governor. Yeah. It, it's just been fantastic. He can go from, from winning his first election by like four-tenths of a percentage yep. to 20% should tell you something. It should tell you volumes. It's track yeah. record, right? We love winners in America, and he is winning. Well, and it's it's not only that. Like, you know, part of why the the red wave materialized here, I think, and not elsewhere, is, and and it's rare to see this. I feel like with Republicans for a long time now is he's and and again, I say this as not a Republican. I I'm registered Republican because we have closed primaries. I've explained this here before, uh, but I'm, I'm a conservative libertarian is the best way to describe me. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, he's a politician on the offense. Yeah. Like he's, he's acting, not reacting. He's not sitting back and waiting. Exactly. And it, and it resonates. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to talk about any specific thing that he has done that you like? I'm curious. Um, well, just just this past week, I'll give you a great one. He's mandated this past week, po after his uh, second inauguration mm -hmm. here, 
uh, he mandated that all state colleges and universities need to report what they're spending, how much of their budget is being spent on uh, CRT and DEI, on critical race theory and diversification education. Yeah. Uh, and you can bet your bottom dollar that when those reports get submitted, those funds will get cut. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I have no doubt. And uh, I'm glad you you commented on that because I, I really appreciate seeing that kind of stuff because I was, it, it's one of those things where, why are we funding institutions that are just going to teach people to hate us? Like, it's like you're, 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 you, you and me, because we live here and we pay property taxes and all this, that and the other, we are funding the education machine that is teaching those things. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Like why? Yeah. I, and frankly, and, with the cost being what they are, I don't even know why they're state funded anything anyway. I don't know why they can't all just privatize. Yeah. Well, and it's it's just it's in such contrast to where like California just passed a passed a law that just went into effect. Like, um, yeah, I I might miss misquote this slightly, but the gist of it's going to be right. Like, parents can't can't like can't contest can't stop. Uh, transition procedures for children. So there's this dad out of Texas, actually, whose wife is planning to take his son mm. to California for transition procedures. And he was trying to get it stopped and took it to the Supreme Court of Texas. And and basically, they're like, there's not like it's California law. We can't do yeah, we can't help you. anything about it. Which Texas, you could, you could annex all the way over to California. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody would do it too. No, nothing between you and California could stop Texas. Like if Texas just wants to go this bottom left corner, that's all Texas now, then it's all Texas now. And I bet the folks in California would appreciate it too. It's like that greater (laughs) Idaho movement. Yeah. I don't know if it'll Um, ever actually happen, but I would love to see it. But just that, uh, you know, he, he has, um, you know, not that there has, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. There has been some missteps that, you know, the flying immigrants from Texas to wherever, it was a misstep. It was. It was a publicity stunt. It, it was a political stunt, but the reality of it is, is I, I, I'd like to, th- it could have been handled better, I think, but it exposed the hypocrisy of the left, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you say uh, you're welcoming all of these people. Okay, here's some. But yeah, his, his uh, battling of, um, you know, just, woke ideologies in in school curriculum mm-hmm. like he's fighting this fight at all levels of education in the state of florida it's not like he's just looking yeah. at universities and colleges and i mentioned the esg um, stuff earlier but that was yeah. one of the things he did last year or the year before he basically mandated it was written into law that state funds like state pension funds could not be invested using companies that use those as guidelines to drive investments yeah well, and things like uh, with with Disney, where it's like Disney's, you know, like you live in Florida, Disney's untouchable, right? Turns out they not. were. <laughs> they're the, you know, they're the biggest employer in the state, yeah. and you know, they're the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. And you know, there's a saying going around right now with a lot of, of funny videos that go along with it. And I'm going to clean it up slightly, but it's screw around and find out exactly. And and Disney screwed around with Ron DeSantis. And, and found out and it's, it's the, um, you know, I, on one hand I get the, like, is that, is that punishment of political opponents? It is. It, it is. And it isn't in that 
really Disney just has this favored status in the state that nobody else has. They they have benefits and in, in rights in this state that Universal Studios doesn't have, that SeaWorld doesn't have, right. that Bush Gardens doesn't have. Um, it was a mutually so was like, beneficial arrangement, though. The, the reality is you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And he was basically saying, hey, you're, you're not going to crap on our state right. while also benefiting greatly from, from perks that no one else gets. Yeah, I, then I, let, me, let me clarify. I don't hate the fact that he did that. Yeah. But I, I don't know that you could really label it anything else but him leveraging politics to silence a political opponent. And that's what the left would say about that whole exchange. And you know what? Okay. That's the same yeah. stuff that everybody else has been doing forever and a day. And we have not, we being conservatives, have been really late to that party. And I'm not in favor yeah. of canceling people, but the reality of it is, is they cancel us all the time. I, well, I saw cancel people by yeah. just like not liking their stuff in general, so I turn it off. Well, here's where I see a difference, though. Here's where I see a distinction, right? It's like what we were talking about earlier with like using tax code mm-hmm. to punish political opponents. This wouldn't be taking away something from Disney that everyone else has. That's this true. would be knocking them down to everyone else's level. That's fair. So it's like here you are, you know, living this favored life in the state of Florida, uh, you know, and and, and then you're going to sit and crap on us. Mm-hmm. No, now you can play like everybody else plays. Yeah, leveling the playing field. No, I like that analogy. Yeah. Well said, sir. So that's where I think it's a little different. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. And so uh, he's he's just been a great executive. He's he's got some uh, military experience, not like yours, um, I doubt. Which I only learned was a thing with last week's podcast. I doubt he's got a combat action badge. Um, but uh, you know, I he, think some surprised. some sort. He might, yeah. So you know, they, they hand think- him out for all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Well, as it was explained to me, the combat action badge itself is pretty legit. Like, eh. actually in contact, like, no, doing your thing. No. I'll, I'll give you an example. When the combat action badge first launched, I don't remember when they released it, but um, what, what it was. But we had to gather statements and submit paperwork for everybody. And the actual reason I got mine was not for any of the missions I was involved in or any of the gunfights that I ended up getting involved in. It was because the uh, the base that I was on on my first deployment was mortared and I was nearby when it happened. So really, yeah, it's it, it's combat action badge is kind of a joke in the combat arms community, um, and the infantry guys love to knock the other combat. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked to have seen a a uh, combat cavalry badge, you know, with like cross sabers on it instead of like a musket like the infantry guys have. But the combat action badge is kind of a joke in the combat arms community. Everybody else that have those branches and whatnot, I'm sure some branches were a little bit more restrictive on how they gave them out. But uh, if you were forward deployed and your base got mortared, you were eligible for a combat action badge. You might not even have been in any danger whatsoever. But like I said, I'm not knocking your previous guest. I'm just saying how she obtained that combat action badge is what really matters, not the fact that she has one. Yeah. Now what? Well, now in my head, I can't help but wonder if uh, Hillary has one for coming under that sniper fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I I, I I've been thoroughly pleased. I, I, no complaints with DeSantis yeah. as as a governor here in Florida. Um, 
I think he can win the primary. I think I, think so. I, I probably this, I think I saw maybe this as Ben Shapiro's take. I can't remember. It's not an original idea to me, but somebody pointed out like the play for him with Trump is just to not engage, just to to have nothing but positive things to say. Um and and basically just kind of blow it off. Yeah. Uh, Rise above. Don't, don't yeah, lower I think he's someone like so many of the candidates in previous primaries were so thrown by Trump and by his brazenness and by his crassness. I don't think that DeSantis would be. I don't think he'd be rattled by it. Um, so I think he could win the primary. Then it's just a matter of whether or not Trump runs independent. I do think this, um, setting aside Trump running as a third party, I don't think anybody could beat and i'm going to be interested to get your take i don't think anybody could defeat a desantis gabbard ticket i don't know that tulsi's got the name recognition to be a vice presidential nominee and i don't think the republican uh, national convention would go for it uh, unless she officially declared herself a republican and i don't know that there's any connection there but DeSantis has a hell of a job or a, a hell of a chance getting elected president, regardless of who's the second. And normally that second person's picked based on the, the clout and the votes that they're going to bring with them anyway. Right. Like from other swing well, states. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't see many other options for the bottom of the ticket besides somebody like Tulsi that would bring votes to DeSantis that he wouldn't already be getting. Yeah, but I, there's no chance Hawaii would go red anyway. So he's not going to get those electors. I think the I think the more likely. So if you're talking theoretical, I think that would be phenomenal. I think that would be, you would you would get independence. You would sway more independent people going to his side. But I don't. Uh, I just don't see that actually happening. But I, it, he Man. he would definitely win for sure if that happened. Dude, have you? I mean, have have you been listening to her on her podcast and others lately? I've listened to one or two, but not. I haven't stayed on top of it. Man, I I mean, it's yeah. I'd be a okay with her on a Republican ticket. A okay. I'm not against it. She was a very much a moderate before anyway. And I, even when she was a Democrat, you know, and I know she's kind of changed her tune on a couple of things. Um, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not against, you know, I like the idea of you have relatively new people to politics who are changed agents. Um, I, I like that. I'm a big fan. You know, I, I know that there's an argument that term limits and favors or uh, empowers the swamp and lets those career uh, administrators and stuff have more influence because they basically end up running the country. I don't know that that would actually happen. I'd like to think that it wouldn't. And I say out with the old, in with the new. Yeah. Yeah. I We've talked about it on here before. Like the, the founders debated term limits. They felt like it term limits would artificially de- could artificially deprive yeah. elect uh, voters of the right person for the job at the right time. Yeah. Um, but I also don't, uh, one thing, they were such great students of human nature, which is part of the genius of our government. Absolutely. Um, it was, it was built it, like jealousy was built in. That's part of why we have separate, but equal branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they really understood, but what they didn't anticipate, what I feel like they didn't anticipate was anybody wanting to be a politician as a career. Well, and, and there wasn't that right. But as, they all wanted to do their duty and get home. Yeah. 
Like every once in a while, we'll convene and see if there's anything for us to do. And if not, we'll get back out of here. Right. And I don't uh, think they could have foreseen that we were basically going to start writing blank checks to get reelected. And that in Congress, especially, but it's all, all of those elected offices that they're, yeah, they're basically living day to day just to get to keep the job because it's so lucrative. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting times. I don't hate, I'm not embarrassed for our country by this, you know, there actually being some debate and some back and forth over the speaker. I, I think some of the, the topics and issues that it's bringing to light, I think are worth having debates for. Absolutely. Uh, I think our country has survived worse mm-hmm. than multiple rounds of, of voting for a speaker. Yep. Uh, um, it, it, it'd be fun to see somebody kind of come out of nowhere and get it actually. Yeah, so absolutely. We'll, we'll, and I, you know, I, I'd love to see the, uh, um, just the DC lifers kind of back on their heels. Exactly. And that's what I love about it, you know, and I, it's what's silly. I, I, I don't remember his name. Who's the, who's the junior congressman from, from Florida that they put forward that the, that the Corey Bush specifically started blasting. Oh yeah, yeah, What's yeah. Because uh, obviously he was just being used as a token. I can't remember his name. He's—I mean, he's uh, not in either of our districts. Uh, I hadn't heard his name before that happened today. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would uh, love to see somebody like him get it. Well, just and because, because here's what be, here's what would be really interesting about it is not only would is would it be a wake up call to establishment Republicans, but it. Uh, it really throw the Democrats in the house for a loop because they've come into this whole thing thinking they're going to be dealing with a known quantity. Right. They've come in thinking, we know Kevin McCarthy. We know exactly what we're going to be dealing with. Yeah. We know what he's gone along with us on. We know what we can do. We know what deals we can cut. And to end up with a relative unknown or someone like a Jim Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just throws a wrench in all the gears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad in the in the least. I I love it. I love it. Yeah. And when I first saw all this happening, because there, it's been so long since there's a precedent for it, I, I had my concerns. I'm like, man, this is kind of how are we bungling this so bad? And then I just read a couple news articles about it, and I'm like, oh, this is actually a good thing. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. I I I wish there wasn't some of the crazier stuff involved. I wish it wasn't like, oh, well, I need to be a chairman of this committee because yeah. just just no. Right. Um, so, and, and that's where it's like, I, you know, I, I really, I, I don't give Crenshaw a pass on the terrorist comment. It was too flippant, Yeah. but I get it in the sense of, I think he meant it in the sense of like, oh, you're going to hold everything hostage for you to get this choice appointment that you want. Right. Um, you know, if I'm being kind, I'm thinking that's kind of the way he meant that statement, but it was still, hold. it was still careless. It was. And it just, it just doubly so from him. Right. Of anybody, right? Like it, if you yeah. have somebody else who's just ignorant and says crazy stuff all the time, I think it would be not forgivable, but it was understandable. But from him of all people, you just, it's surprising. It's disappointing, yeah. I guess, is how I should say. So we'll see. Well, you are, uh, this isn't the first episode of the new year, but it is the first one being recorded in uh the new year so uh any uh what's we we talked with becca some about this a couple episodes ago but uh where do you come down on uh on resolutions any uh fresh uh goals you're working on for the year 
there is a quote that I think you would appreciate, and I'll answer your question by using this quote. Something from Meditations, Marcus Aurelius. How much time are you going to spend waiting to be a good man? Or something along those lines. Just be one. So yeah. resolutions are stupid. They're a random date on a calendar. I I don't I have uh you know I do certain things because and I I that you know that said all right you know I do we were talking I think before we recorded right the Daniel fast thing I do the Daniel fast uh-huh. uh, quarterly or I try to or some variation of the Daniel fast quarterly and uh, I plan to start one literally tomorrow and run it into Lent and right. that has absolutely nothing to do with it being January 2023 just because it's time to do one and the first one of the year always becomes a super long one because it coincides with Lent. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, you and your quarterly Daniel fasts have been inconvenient for me on more than one. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about that last time. Yeah. Dude, I'll, I'll say I just, I mean, literally today I'm just ending a four day complete food fast. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily an intentionally, uh, like spiritual endeavor though, as a Christian, I don't think you can do a fast without a spiritual aspect. I think anything you're kind of, anytime you're kind of denying like your natural, uh, you know, your, your more, uh, fleshly desires, there's going to be a spiritual benefit to it. Uh, but I'll say this, man, it's the first time I did, I've done like a, a full food fast and like water only where I'm not doing you know, like maybe I'll have, you know, like a protein shake or a smoothie or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and quite some time. And man, I forgot just how fun it is. <laughs> well, you went hard, <laughs> and, dude. You didn't go like a 24 hour. You went like four days. Yeah. Well, and dude, especially like I haven't done it since I got married and I haven't done it since I had kids. So now I'm doing it where it's like, Hey, I'm still going to make my wife's latte in the morning before I leave because <laughs> I'm a rock star husband and I'm still going to cook my kids dinner. Right. And so, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff. So it's like smell, you know, like day one, I was like up making bacon for everybody. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, I didn't then, even you think know, about and, that. How much harder did that make it? Holy cow. You know, it really like you, what's funny is like, you know me, I don't exercise extreme will in all things at all times. Yeah. But when I flip a switch, like it, my it, my will rivals anyone's, right? So it really it this this go around, you know, if it was my first experience period with fasting, it maybe would have been more challenging. But it was really just no factor because it's you know, what's funny is, um, you know, listeners, if you haven't ever done a fast of any kind for any reason, there is one like steadfast, unbreakable scientific law of fasting. And that is if you are fasting, more free, delicious food will come your way during that time. <laughs> and it, so it was so like, like even like yesterday, you know, I'm away from my desk, uh, you know, at the old day job and I come back and they're like, Hey, somebody left a snack on your desk for you. And it's just like a fresh, still hot Chick-fil-A sandwich container, of Chick-fil-A sauce sitting on top of it. Yeah. Now I've been doing the carnivore, so I wouldn't have eaten that anyways, um, I would have given that away no matter what, but I was just chuckling at that. Cause I'm like, of all time, like that doesn't happen all the time. 
uh, but because, because fasting. So I actually, you know, so we're done with the fast today. You don't ever want to go like whole hog out of it. Was doing it with a, a buddy. Um, so we're, we're meeting up for dinner tonight. So I snacked a little bit this afternoon to kind of prime the pump, nice. uh, for, for going to dinner tonight. But, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting The the catalyst really was kind of, um, I've been wanting to incorporate more fasting. I think I've even thrown it out there to you. Yeah. Like, Hey, would you want to, um, uh, mostly coming from, uh, following, uh, some others, but Peter Atia, yeah. uh, Dr. Peter Atia is a big proponent of it and the benefits of it. Yeah. And like, I can break it down in the most layman's terms I possibly can. Basically like as your cells age, cells in your body will become damaged and they're kind of like zombie ish cells. They're just kind of not doing their job quite right. And a lot of times these can be the catalyst for disease, cancer, cancer. stuff like that. Yeah. They're kind of throwing off weird things. And so, when you do a period of extended fasting, your body's looking to optimize. It's looking to make good use of resource. And so you um, can cause this process of autophagy where your body is basically offing. It's basically clearing off and getting rid of these malfunctions, these, these damaged age cells. Mm-hmm. They actually make the cells around them age quicker, all this stuff. Um, so that's, that's why incorporating some fasting into just your, you know, health and nutrition routine is a good idea. Um, but how it hit my buddy's radar is this new like docuseries with Chris Hemsworth on Nat Geo. So it's on Disney plus called limitless. And Peter Atia was actually featured on the show and was like the expert for several of the episodes. And one of the ones that they did was focused on fasting. So Chris Hemsworth did a four day fast and Atia is working through that with him. They're doing some different activities throughout. They're covering the science behind why it's a good thing to do. And so that kind of piqued uh, his interest. He's like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And he, you know, I don't know if he was on the edge or if he would have done it or not. I'm like, well, Hey, if you do it, I'll do it with you. And so, uh, you know, here we are. So not, not without its challenges. And it's one of those where, um, you don't really see, um, the, like you, you're not feeling or necessarily seeing the benefits right away. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, all my, all my crap cells are, are dead and gone. Um, it's just one of those things where you got to kind of, kind of trust the science on yeah. it, trust the experts on it, uh, that it's working. So, yeah, I actually, I, I think I would almost rather do a full food fast than a Daniel fast though. Daniel just really a long time listeners will know I, I worked at a church for yeah. a long time. You're burned on still it. And you don't, I still attend there. I still attend there. I'm still involved there. And every January, every January, Daniel fast. Yeah. Every 21 days, Daniel fast. Um, and particularly when you're on staff, uh, you feel a little extra pressured to be participating. And, uh, some people take it upon themselves to be the fast police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like, dude, it's, um, if there's anybody I'm, I'm prone to punch in the face in heaven, <laughs> it's probably, Probably Daniel. It's probably gonna be Daniel. So, so I, I uh, I'm not a Nazi about it. I, mean, I think really because I do it with the regularity that I do, um, I, I'm not like maybe as harsh or strict about it as I could be. Um, yeah. I don't even know that it's fair to call it a Daniel fast. I know I've done it. I've done Daniel fast before, but I, I just generally uh, call it that because I generally cut out meat and uh, I try to do yeah. basically like a vegan diet for. 21 days, pretty much anything well, or, or a, a whole food diet, yeah. cutting out meat. Partially because, partially because of people's tendency to become somewhat legalistic. Yeah. 
um, and kind of become the fast police, what our church ended up doing, and th- this was a good pivot, was just kind of boiling it down to like, no meat, no bread, no dessert. Yeah. Which is, it's like, it, you could get more pedantic. Yeah. A pretty standard yeah. annual fast. Right. Um, and, and even now, like the, the church publishes a great like fasting guide and, uh, you know, um, uh, devotional to go along with it. And even now they're like, you know, it doesn't have to be Daniel, but we're encouraging you to fast, like be participating in, in some way. So yeah. it's a, it's a, a less legalistic and a, and a much healthier take than it once was, but I'm still like, uh, yeah. I don't want to see another corn chip. <laughs> I, no, I totally hear you, man, but it's just one of those, it is a spiritual discipline and it's something you should be doing with regularity. And I, I hadn't seen the one that you're done uh, you're talking about. I've seen the series of Crystal Hemsworth, but not the the science behind it. I know that there are super health benefits for fasting, and I, yeah. I have never done a total fast for more than two days. So yeah, Same it's really not. If you was quite and, a bit. Yeah, like obviously, I've been doing uh, carnivore for some period now, so I've been pretty close to like I've been beyond low carb, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I've done both like keto, paleo. Uh, extensively prior to that even. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's anything where you're, you're lower carb and you're more prone to having the metabolic machinery to run on ketones to begin with is going to make a total food fast easier for you. Mm -hmm. So some of the, the, the biggest effects I didn't really feel heavily. I wasn't lightheaded at any point. I didn't feel particularly lethargic, maybe a little tireder, yeah. Uh, then maybe I otherwise would have been, um, but like the headaches, stuff like that, really, yeah. really not so much. And a lot of that stuff, even if you, even if that's not the case, um, a few days in that stuff kind of drops off as you get ketosis yeah. anyways. So. And your, your, your pre-diet prior to these different types of things, whether it be switching to a, a diet, like you're talking with keto or, or a fast that really matters. Like if you just eat like trash all the time and then you go into even a 24 hour fast, you are going to feel wrecked, totally wrecked. Because yeah. I, I know I have a good friend of mine who just has who has a horrible diet, and uh, he did that, and he ended up he ended up calling out from work like two days because he felt so bad just going to keto. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, uh, let me no, let me go. Back. I want I want to amend something I said previously. I don't think resolutions are stupid, and I don't fault people for setting resolutions. I just it's it is a good thing that there is a date in the calendar that comes around once a year that causes people to pause for a moment and to self-reflection and set goals for themselves because goals are really what make you better. You should always have goals. You should always be working towards a thing. Um, my, my stance on it is just that have those goals, have those moments of self-reflection and, and set those goals. But so many times I see this all the time. Heck, I even saw it this week in, in uh, the gym. You know, it's like, you didn't have to wait to January 1st to go to the gym. You didn't have to wait to January 1st to fix your diet or eat clean. And so many people who set that arbitrary date on the calendar as being, that's the day it's going to change for me. They end up just dropping it two weeks later. Yeah. If it's even two weeks. So it's like, right. It's- yeah. And that's, I, I, you know, and that, that's kind of what I hit on with, with Becca a couple of weeks ago too. And we were, we're having a, a similar conversation is, mm-hmm. Um, it's it, resolutions aren't the problem. The way people go about them is the exactly. problem, right? These big, exactly. 
nebulous goals. Yeah. So, you know, don't, don't make it, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to exercise more, make it. I want to drop 10 pounds and I'm going to do that by doing X by X date. Um, you know, or I want to, I'm going to work out more. No, I'm going to, I'm going to work out, you know, three times a week in the mornings or, you know, whatever. Basically have, and, have uh, uh, you know, smart, smart yeah. goals, you know, specific, measurable. Yeah. And get somebody, get somebody to do it with you. Like yeah. if somebody's going to be, you know, sitting somewhere tapping their foot, waiting on you, you're, you're less likely to bail. Yeah. And it with gym partners, especially you're going to get a better workout in. Because even when you're not feeling it, yeah. you might go, you might have the discipline, right? To go through and go and go and you do your thing. You just won't be doing it as well. I guarantee it. At least that's, that's been my own experience. I definitely yeah. get a better workout when I have something there with me. Hey, we'll, we'll be that workout buddy. Like you, you haven't decided on anything. You're not doing anything to challenge yourself. Put, put Sandlot Jacks on the calendar. That's true. Mike and I will be there. Some of our other uh, buddies from uh, kind of the podcast sphere here will, will be there. Yeah. And uh, give yourself something to work towards and uh, come out, come out and rock with us. We'll rock with you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I've signed up for at least one triathlon a month for most of 2023. So if you want to do a triathlon with me and the sound engineer who happens to be listening in on this, by all means, sign up for that stuff too. We'll be lovely. We'll love to have, have more people come out there and do it with us. I even have a, I have a flyer right here for one I'm supposed to sign up for. <laughs> Try triathlons in uh, in Florida. Extra extra sketchy. Extra element of uh, of danger nah. there. Nah. <laughs> uh, there's always the potential for uh, extra swim partners. Well, while uh, that's true, but you know, it's like one of those things where if you if you launch in a group, you just have to be the fastest. You don't you don't have to be the fastest. You just can't be the slowest, right? Even if there were a gator in yeah. the water. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fair. Well, listen, if you uh, listeners, if you want to join us for Sandlot Jacks, you can find the link to that to Tuttle Twins, which we talked about earlier, and all kinds of other fun stuff on the website solid seven podcast.com, solid the number seven podcast.com. So if you haven't visited the website, check it out. There's always links to the latest episodes on there, like this one that you're listening to and enjoying immensely. Boom. Right now, you can uh, links to all our affiliates, uh, Jocko Fuel and uh, Origin USA, Go Ruck, uh, Tuttle Twins, all great companies. Um, some uh, events. I think Sandlot Jacks really is the only one on there right now. We need to we need to put some other stuff on there. Yeah, we haven't uh, done a Star and, Course in forever. I was thinking about that yeah, today. Actually, we, we need we need to look at this calendar and pick some stuff out and get you away from this uh, this sissy triathlon stuff. To do something <laughs> with a ruck on. We could do both. And, uh, but there's. There's some great causes to support there on the website. You can find all the links to our, our social media. You can rate the podcast. And uh, if you want to be uh, listening live and chatting with us while we're doing this thing, you can even become a Patreon supporter uh, where you get to join the recordings live, get some bonus content, uh, maybe get yourself a solid seven mug from which you can drink an above average beverage like a Jocko Go. Um, all right there on the website. But uh, if you don't feel like doing any of that, do us the small favor of uh, clicking uh, like or subscribe on your podcast app. Give us five stars, a thumbs up, and a review. All that goes a long way to help other people find us. So uh, with that, Mike Redacted, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, my friend. Hit me up. It's, it's you been ever want me back. Me. It always kind of stresses me out because you know I'm like a planner, right? Even today, I was like, I don't even know what to talk about. 
<laughs> yeah. Every time you're like, yeah, come on. What are we talking about? I'm like, bro, I, I don't know. Whatever we talk about. Yeah. Which is funny because, uh, you know, obviously uh, I love, I always love a rabbit trail right before the close. Um, uh, Mike is, and I'm going to enunciate very carefully here. Mike is my, uh, longest running and most faithful rucking buddy. Uh, we, we get together and I wouldn't say a lot, but, uh, as, as often as we can manage with our schedules, we, we get together and we'll go and ruck for uh, two, three, uh, some, I mean, we did a 12 miler, just the two of us one time. Yeah. So I don't even know how long we rucked for that one. And we never run out the whole time. We don't run out no, of no, stuff no, no, to no, talk no. about. We're talking the whole time. Yeah. But the second I'm like, Hey man, you want to record for the podcast, which is the exact same idea. <laughs> Mike's like, what are we talking about? I don't know, dude, whatever we talk about. And look, Look, we've done it again. We have done it yet again. And every single time it works out. But it, it's like, it's one of the, it's the difference between, I, I don't really like to go somewhere and talk about anything if I haven't halfway looked into it recently. And you're, you, I don't know how you do it. You're a learned man. I think you're, yeah, I think you're full of crap. I think you know what you want to talk about every single time. There's no way you're this knowledgeable. Like I have, to, I just, I, I brush up I on mean, you, you know, I mean, I, uh, I throw out the little show notes doc. I, I throw some potential topics and bullet points on there. Sometimes we talk today, we talked about everything on there. That's abnormal. That's true. Normal. Normally we don't hit all the bullet points and I, I roll stuff over. Yeah. Um, you know, if something, if a topic's not going to be too, too dated, right. Uh, but it's, it's not a script. We don't go through it in order. It, there's been podcasts where we haven't touched on me. The guests and I haven't touched on a thing yeah. that are that's on the show prep doc. Yep. Um, so it's, it's just, uh, it's just whatever it's, it's, you know, that's how I describe it. Friends, friends at lunch or friends sitting around a campfire, whichever sounds more appealing to you. Yeah. And it, I think what, it's a really, it's a really true, you know, description for the show because that's what it's, at least that's yeah. been my experience every time. Yeah. So that's what we're going for. Well, buddy, I appreciate you listeners. Appreciate you. Love you. And, uh, we'll catch y'all next week. We're out. Bye. The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today. And you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.